So let me make sure I've got this right. You'll have to excuse me for sounding a bit slow. It's not every day someone comes tumbling out of my time machine, particularly when I have no idea who they are or how they got in there. You're telling me Dr. Emmett Bill, your physics teacher, recruited you to travel back in time to find and stop his assistant Greg, who is altering past events for some unknown nefarious reason. Just to be clear, though, Emmett Bill? The Emmett Bill? A teacher? Right. I see. Or I'm beginning to see. I think I'm going to have to clear some things up for you. I'm Greg. Perhaps you'd already guessed that. But his assistant? (laughs) Certainly not. You think I'd be working in dust and secrecy if I were? I've got no one but myself to thank for my work, and no one but myself to blame for my mistakes. I invented time travel. I studied the physics. I sought out the materials. I built a computer that could find you anywhere in the time stream and bring you back. And that computer is what alerted me to a problem. The past isn't stable. Starting around 80 years ago and working backwards, somebody had been changing things. Dear old computer showed me exactly what the problems were, and I didn't like the idea of temporal instability, so I went back to fix them. No, Nothing elaborate. A door that shouldn't have been unlocked. I threw away the key. A pit that shouldn't have been traversed. I hid the rope. And then I'd come right back. What? Of course I can travel more than once. What kind of lunatic would build a time machine you could only use once? Anyway, so I hit a big problem. The damage wasn't getting better. And I had my suspicions, but now I have proof. You! You and your classmates went back and rechanged everything, didn't you? I suppose in your timeline you thought you were doing the right thing. You thought I was making changes, not fixing them. I've got to admit, that's a side effect I did not see coming. Because why would anyone care about my little fixes? How would anyone even know? Well... Back then, I'd assumed the changes I was fixing were some other scientist's careless errors. It didn't occur to me that somebody else was tracking these things as carefully as I was. Keeping things different on purpose. Abusing time travel for their own gain. You understand where I'm going with this, don't you? I didn't cause the time problems. Your Doc Bill did. In your world, he's a humble physics teacher. Probably dissatisfied with life. Apparently with me as his assistant. Or maybe that's a lie. I wouldn't know. He discovered time travel instead of me, and found a way to know exactly what changes to make in the recent and distant past to completely change his fortune. I don't know how. Even my computer can't tell me that. But it happened. And in this reality, Bill is no teacher. He's a ruler, governor, but with such complete and utter control that even other nations' leaders are afraid of him. He has this public persona where everyone thinks he's omniscient, omnipresent. And now I see it's not just because he's clever. He cheated his way there. I should have suspected him. But here? He hasn't been a scientist in years. And this is where I start to see the real problem. I need to fix this. Even if not for the temporal instability, it's not moral what he's done. And that's why I invited my two friends here. I've been recruiting people, you see. Strength in numbers since my efforts alone weren't very successful. But if I do fix things, your Doc Bill from your world immediately unfixes it, coming back to this despotic dreamland of his. It's a cycle. We need a way to reverse his actions for good. A hard reset of all this. A way to stop him traveling through time ever. Open up, Greg! We know you're in there! You! Get out! Go! In the machine! I'll find a way to get you back! This isn't your world! Don't stay for any longer than you need. 
Welcome to Escape This Podcast, a show that's a mix between tabletop role-playing and escape room puzzles. This is chapter nine of Chronomaly. What the hell was that, Danny? What did we just hear? I told you Bill was evil and you said, oh, no, that's yeah, ridiculous. You've been no telling me of- that since I married you. <laughs> Uh, every episode, we have guests come on and play through an escape room, and this feels like it's going to be a big one. And our guests for this episode are Brian Markinson and Peter Serretta. Hi, guys. Hello. Thanks Glad for having us. Brian and Peter are both magicians, which is fancy. I, I, I'm very excited. And Peter also runs SlashFilm.com. Do you want to give a rundown of what that is for everybody, Peter? Yeah, it's a big uh, pop culture movie TV news website, and it's been around for 16 years now, I think, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. So I'm it's sure been, most, been around a while. probably all heard of it. Yeah. And Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies, so I'm glad to be part of this time travel adventure. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad to hear that. I love time travel also, so I'm looking forward to it as well. And uh, yeah. we met at the Magic Castle in Hollywood. Yes, yes, Brian was uh, absolutely lovely to let us in. He was our magician connection to get into the Magic Castle, and it was a really great day, and he showed us around. It's so and, and lovely to have such a some great shows. It was exciting. unique, memorable thing that not that many people get mm. to experience. It was very uh, made our trip very enjoyable. So thank you for that. I'm really glad to be able to get you on the show. And, I'm and thrilled have to you be here. Really. Play through our Magic Castle. Absolutely. <laughs> Before we get into this, I'm, I'm so excited to get into this episode, but before we do, we always ask the same questions to our guests. This show is an escape room show, so uh, what is your escape room experience? Uh, do you want to start, Brian? Sure. I really enjoy escape rooms, actually. I've done several. Uh, I'll say probably like six or seven, maybe more, in the Los Angeles area, and uh, I, have a, I have a good time. I'd say that I am decent at them and decent <laughs> at puzzles. I was going to say my experience is probably around the same as yours. Like I've probably done like six escape rooms. I usually do like maybe one a year with a group of friends, like uh, celebrating a birthday or something like that. Mm. But I would say that I am more of a supporting character who, <laughs> who, who discovers something and lets uh, smarter people run with. My discovery. Yeah, see, I found the puzzle. Who wants to do it? Every escape room needs a searcher. It's really easy to fail at that part. The other aspect of this show is it's a mix between escape rooms and tabletop role playing. So, uh, do either of you have any tabletop role playing experience? For myself, I played D and D in high school, and I've done a lot of tabletop games, not so much role playing games Mm. um Mm. although i really loved time stories which is uh kind of a role-playing-ish type game well there's a time stories i gotta look into that do you know that one no i don't oh you guys you guys guys, gotta play time stories you guys have to play time Time stories i can't believe you haven't played it it's literally almost (laughs) exactly what you guys are doing uh, oh okay i'm googling Um, it now the rest of this recording later we're gonna go play time stories (laughs) and we'll catch up with you next week and we'll do that absolutely (laughs) we'll put it on our list Awesome. Now they just need to owe us some money and we can include this in the episode. Um, <laughs> and, and Peter, do you have much experience? I am not really a big like Dungeons and Dragon. Like I've done it a couple times. I think it's that I haven't found a, a game master that I've loved or maybe even a story. <laughs> like I'm not a big fantasy person. I, I, mm. I, would, I would love to get involved in like a Star Wars RPG or something like that, but I've just yeah. never had the time. But I have also played... Time stories, which Brian mentioned and is totally like 
I would say it's more of a tabletop game than a role-playing game, but you can totally role-play in it, and that is the way to do it. It's a ton of fun to awesome. do that way. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, well, I, I tell what I can't wait for. <laughs> I can't wait to get into this room. Uh, I don't even know how much more introduction there is to go after that, but... Well... Would you like to, uh, if we're all ready to go, do you want to get us started, hmm. Danny? Sure. That ambush came just as your old friend Greg was getting into the details about how you, yes, you two, need to stop Dr. Emmett Bill from using time machines and alternate realities to bring himself world domination. A little late, really. Governor Bill has the entire state under his thumb and has been granted national and international powers well beyond his official station. But hey, if you can just, you know, whip on back to the past, fiddle with a few things... Maybe he'll lose everything and you could leap in and become the all-controlling tyrant. Or, you know, there could be no tyrant, if that's an option, I guess. But then a swarm of armed men and women descended upon Greg's secret lab. Not so secret, apparently. Not from the ever-watching eyes of Governor Bill. Naturally, you assume that he's behind it. I mean, who else would it be? Because there haven't been any other permanent characters in this story. So that would be a problem. It's a panicky blur, but you feel yourselves get picked up you're thrown into a dark vehicle and driven somewhere. When the driver finally stops, you're manhandled some more, you're blindfolded and something is bound to your wrist before being carried out into what sounds like a large, empty-ish building. You hear several doors open and close as you're marched through them until at last you're put down. You're leaned against a wall and there's a click as the thing on your wrist is attached somewhere. Then your blindfolds are removed and before your eyes can adjust, your captors are gone. The room you're in is empty besides the three of you. You two are both handcuffed to a bar on the east wall. Greg is sitting in the centre, uncuffed but still blindfolded. There are two closed doors leading off the room, to the south and the west. And suspended on the north wall, there's a box of some kind, though from a distance you can't tell precisely what it is. A sudden voice rings out through a hidden sound system, so loud and so close it makes you jump and your handcuff rattle. And as you look for the source of the voice, looking all around, you oh, you see that written on the ceiling is a big number seven. Well, well, if it isn't Gregory, you probably aren't aware, but we know each other quite well in another life. Expect I taught you everything you know, but it seems you're trying to pit your skills against mine, and that is not something I'll allow. I bet you're wondering how I knew, aren't you? Hmm, I think I can tell you that when I decide to. It is quite a story, but for the moment, I'd prefer you simply stay out of my way in here. I am tired of all of your interfering. Alright, cool. Well, with that, it sounds like it's time for you two to get out of this place and interfere a little. Well, I, I think the first thing is we need to get out of these handcuffs. Yeah, so let's, uh, can we look at the handcuffs and see Absolutely. what they look like? So you're each only handcuffed by one wrist, the chain attaching you to this bar. I've just called it a horizontal bar. I pictured it sort of like a ballet bar, but it doesn't matter that much as long as you are stuck there. <laughs> it's not a very long chain. You don't have any room to stand up and walk around particularly. You do see that each of your handcuffs does have what looks like an identical looking keyhole. Do we see a key lying anywhere? In you the room? do not no. at this stage. Uh, so let's look at the bar specifically. Uh, is there anything special about the bar? There really isn't just that, okay. yeah, he would slide across and wouldn't be able to get very far. I mean, 
I am, I have some strength to me, so like I, I'm, I'm suggesting me and Brian like just try to pull at the bar with all our might and see what happens there. Well, you're assuming that you like you're using your strength, like your real world strength, Peter. <laughs> yeah. But with your impoverished university student character, uh, they're not as talented at this sort of thing. So okay, so can we slide along the bar? To one direction a or little, another. but there are lots of yeah, there are lots of like those little things putting, you know, things that would block it going from too struts. far. There are lots of struts attaching it to the wall, maybe words. Okay. So you can't go very far. <laughs> so we can't go very far. Are we next to each other? Yes. Yeah, and but we're not attached to each other. Is that correct? No, that's okay. right. So written on the ceiling is the number seven. Um, mm. Is there anything on the wall itself? No. No. Wow. Uh, well, how about the floor? Let's look at the floor. I'm so sorry. The floor is very boring. All right. We start you out with not many options. Not many <laughs> options, indeed. So, you know, if we had woken up or if we had started in room number six or five or four, <laughs> maybe we'd have more options, Brian. So, Peter, I think we need to find the key. Uh, so... <laughs> I don't see I, I, I said that to you choice. like 10 minutes ago, Brian. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> um, is, but we can't move. And yes, we, we were completely move. out of range of that box hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, that's yes. exactly can we right. Call, can we call to Greg? Absolutely. So he's just in the middle of the room. Uh, it's hard to tell too much with his blindfold on. He looks a little bit dazed. You hope that the people didn't hit him on the back of the head or anything. Uh, and he says, hello, hello, yeah, you're here? Okay, and is he is he tied down to anything, or is he mobile? Nope. He is he not is tied, mobile. He's mobile. He's not tied ah. down, nor does he have any handcuffs on. Well, so Greg can move around, but he's blindfolded. Can, but so can he I, take his yep. blind, can we tell him to take his blindfold off? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? There's nothing stopping me doing that. Yeah. So he does. He lifts his hands, peels off the blindfold. You know, sometimes they say about geniuses and how much common sense they have. It's <laughs> okay. one of those situations. <laughs> Got it. But, yep. You, you don't know how long he'd have stayed in the dark if you weren't here. But yep, he can now see and he can move. Okay. Greg, can, can you get us that box that's hanging from the ceiling? That, that box is connected to the north wall rather than hanging from the ceiling. Oh. But yeah, he walks over to it, takes a look. He goes, okay, okay. Um, so this is locked. Uh, it's it's got some sort of slidey puzzle sort of thing as the lock. The kind you've got to move pieces and you got to get one special piece out. I guess that's like the bar lock. So uh -huh. if we can get that one out, hold on. Let me just describe it to you. And he describes this lock with such picture perfect clarity. It's almost as if you can see it yourself. So for people at home, uh, you can find a link to this puzzle in the show notes below. But for people who can't see it, would you two like to ex explain what you see? Yeah. So so this is what Greg is describing to us. It's it's a, a grid that's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six boxes across and six boxes down. So a six by six grid. And it's filled with horizontal and vertical bars that can... Uh, Sort of like re rectangles that either hit two boxes or three boxes. Yes. One of the rectangles is red. That appears to be the one that we need to get out. That rectangle is in the third row on the far left. Underneath that are two vertical rectangles. And then to the right of the rectangle, we have another 
three-sized rectangle and a two-sized rectangle that starts in second row. And to the right of that, in the second row, is another two-sized rectangle that fills the rest of the space. On the far right, we have two two-box rectangles filling out the right-hand side. And then finally, two more rectangles, one to the right of the nailed-down block at the bottom, and one that is two rows above that. Now, I don't know what the official name for these sorts of puzzles is. I've never seen one about it. They're not tanagrams, but they're something like that. The only thing I can say is I had a game, like a board game version of this, which was Rush Hour, where all of the blocks were cars and you had to try to get your red car out of the grid. Oh, yeah. So in order to uh, open this up, we're going to have to describe to Greg uh, what to do because he's too stupid to do it himself, right? I'm assuming. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That's that's what I thought. (laughs) Okay. You should be able to interact with those blocks on that puzzle by moving them in the directions that they can move. Yep. Oh, we can? Yeah, I'm doing that now. Okay. So the first move pretty clearly is going to be to move the two horizontal blocks in rows four and six, one space to the right. I and agree. Pull, and then pull the big three block thing all the way down, probably. Yeah. Yeah, listeners at home, if you can bring up this image while you are listening to this, it's a good idea. It'll help. It'll be very obvious if you have that. Now, the problem is we need, we need <laughs> moving to... Moving that thing out of the exit. Yeah, well, not just that, but it's moving. It's really moving the, the horizontal block above that. That's the real hard thing. Well, you could move that up and then over, right? No. no? no. The horizontal block can uh, only move horizontally. Only, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that we need to, hard. here's what we're going to do. We're going to, huh, this is crazy, but it's going to work. We're going to take the <laughs> vertical rectangle that's to the right of the red one and move it up. Now we're going to move the red one all the way over for now. And now we're going to move the three box block in the third column all the way up. Oh, well, I might have to undo that, but we're going to move the two block thing all the way up. I, I have the the basic Hi. idea here. I'm just kind of poking at mm. it. Give me a second, you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. And of course. It's tough, right? Because as soon as like you need to move these blocks from in front of the red one, but as soon as you do, it feels like the only way to move those blocks then makes every other block completely stuck. Correct. And and you can't move anything else. And it's this real tough situation where you can get the red all the way. It's one square from the end. It's sitting there watching it, but then nothing else can move. So there's obviously some backtracking or, or, or removing the like back and forth that needs to get done. Yeah, the trick that's trying what I'm to trying find. to figure out right now. It's really that horizontal block that's two at the very end of a yes, row two at, that's the problem. That is mm. correct. And so what we need to do is we need to move the two blocks below that to the left. But so the problem is... We, they can't move to the left. We need to get both of the things up in column two and three. And then you can move the horizontal. I did it. You did it? Yes, it can be done. (laughs) I believe you. I think you're right about those two horizontal blocks at the beginning. No, I think I've got it. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. I got it. I did it. It's done. Okay. You did it? I did it. All right. Let me see if I can undo it. It took. uh, So here's. (laughs) All right. I did it. Um, (laughs) Okay. Move the two things over to the right. Move the uh-huh. big three one 
down, move the the other one up, and move the red all the way over. All right, now, so the red is gotcha. now one square from the end. That's correct. So now we are going to move columns two and three all the way up. We are going to hang on. What did I do? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you wanted the three one up yet. No, I don't want the three one up yet. You're right. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to move the red one all the way back now. So the red one is all the way to I mean, the it's left. It's true, but it looks sad to put it back. Yeah, we're putting the red one all the way back. Now we're moving the three one up and we're moving the two horizontals in rows four and six over to the left. I am moving the one in column four. Four. Or all the way down. I'm now moving the the horizontal one in row two to the left, and I am moving the lock that is covering the exit all the way up. Beautiful. Excellent. Now the exit is free, yes. but our red one is trapped so again. Now over I'm on the taking left. the one at the bottom move. right, and I'm moving it up one, going down to the bottom row and moving my horizontal one all the way over to the right. I am pulling the one in column four all the way down. I am moving the horizontal block in row four all the way to the right. I am pulling my three blocks block in column three all the way down, and now my red is out. And the red has a free run to the end, and he escapes. Greg is so good at following your instructions. (laughs) It's almost as if you're doing the puzzle yourself. (laughs) And he gets the locking piece free and pulls the door open. He goes, oh, yep, there's a key in here. This is a weird box, but uh, anyway, uh, cool. He brings the key over to you and he starts unlocking your handcuffs. The key clicks into place and the two of you are free. And he unlocks the handcuffs from the pole for good measure. So they clatter to the floor. Great. Let's pick them up just in case we need them later. In your inventory. (laughs) Okay. So now we can examine some of the other things. Let's look at the, uh, what do you think, Peter? Look at the closed doors to the south and west? Yeah, we may as well. Absolutely. These doors are identical. And as far as you can tell, just by looking and remembering how they sounded when you were brought in, you heard lots of doors going, you assume that they are unlocked. Oh, well, are they? Uh, you give him a quick twist, and yes, they seem to. You can right. go through them whenever you choose to the next room. Well, let's not do that yet. First, let's oh. uh, just look at the box, make sure there's nothing else uh, about the box. So you open it, and yeah, Greg said that it was a little odd, and the inside of it is odd. You kind of expected it to just be a rectangle, like an Ikea cabinet that you drill into the wall, but the back isn't flat and smooth. There are four roughly circular indents about the size of your palm, as if something is supposed to fit in them. Hmm. Okay. But is this box just like a wooden box? Yeah, pretty much. But mm. it's but it's attached to the wall, you say? Yes. Yes. So are these indents, they're on the back of the box that's touching the wall? Exactly. It's almost yeah. as if they've been built to fit into the wall in a funny way. Right. Well... I'm assuming that we're going to have to put something into those indents, but let's just make sure that we can't pull at them or. or no, it's like exactly that. right. It looks like something has to go there. Okay. It looks like it was meant for storage of something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why are we staying in this room if we have like two doors open? I think we should go. So let's. Uh, yeah, you don't know what waits for you. Yeah, let's let's check out uh, let's check out a door. Which one do you want to go to, Peter? I'm going to say south. Let's go to All the right. south door. You open the south door and you step through 
You're in another small rectangular room, same size as the last one, and there's a south door in this room too, as well as an east one. There's lots of rooms in this one. In front of that east door, there is a hulking, unmoving robot. (laughs) Okay. Can we talk to the robot? Absolutely. So you go up to it. uh, You take a look first. Its body is dull gray, and it's enrobed in something that might be a wizard's cloak or a judge's robe. A little hard to tell. And when you peer right up at its head, there is something sitting on top of it. You think it's meant to be a judge's wig. It's so tall, it's a little hard to see up there. You say some things to it, but what, your choice. What are you going to say to the robot? Um, Brian, what are no, you going to say to the robot? No, Peter, you're the one who wanted to talk to the robot. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Robot, can you get us out of here? It doesn't respond to anything you say, but what you notice There is something in the middle of its chest. It's a big round badge. But as you look closely at it, it looks like it's actually more of a button. A button in the middle of the chest. Well, I mean, I have never in my life seen a button that I didn't want to press. I just, I have to tell you. It has a big tempting question mark on it. That's right. (laughs) Brian, Brian, I'm going to go back in this other room to the north and you you can press the button. I'm going to press the button. (laughs) A muffled crackling noise comes from the robot's mouth. You have to stand on your toes to reach it, but when you do, you hear some automated words coming from a speaker in there. Test your knowledge with Judge KG3030. Will you get the correct answer and walk free? In which body part will you find equal amounts hydrogen, carbon, nitrogen, and iodine? Speak your answer to receive your verdict. You're going to robot up that voice in post, right? Yeah, I'm going to have to do some robot editing. And uh, Peter is frantically Googling right now. (laughs) No, uh, (laughs) hydrogen and carbon, like, what was the other ones? Nitrogen and iodine. I have no idea. This is chemistry, man. I don't know. (laughs) I I do not expect the people who play this room to know chemistry. All right. So we will have to find this answer somehow. Can I reach the wig uh, and pull it down off the robot? Oh, no. Yep, you can. And you swear you see a little bit of sadness in KG3030's eyes. (laughs) 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 But sure, you've got his sad robot wig now. I have his sad robot wig. Okay. How about inside the robes? Uh, Are there pockets in the robes? No, nothing fancy about the robes. Okay. Well, that's that. Yeah, I'm peeking out from behind the door to the north. I say, Brian, these uh, these chemicals—they all have like a chemical symbol. Do you know what I mean? Like, like iodine is I, and hydrogen is H, and nitrogen is N, and carbon I'm guessing is C. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in other words, just just their first letters. Yeah, they they were very convenient elements. So yeah, maybe so I'm, I'm, maybe I'm the chin. That... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, why don't why don't we whisper or, or say chin to this robot? I, I mean, I'm still in the door, uh, the room in the north, but you can go over to the Mr. <laughs> That's right, robot. You can yell it. Yeah, I'll yell it. KG3030 has keen hearing. All right. You call out chin and you hear the defendant goes free, KG3030 says. Then there's a whirring that comes from it. And from your distance, you can see that his mouth is opening wider 
until you can see that resting on his robot tongue is a silver key. Ugh. The rest of his mouth doesn't look so great, though. Like, in one of his molars, there's a big hole, like, perfectly round, about the width of a screw or nail. So I guess even artificial intelligence gets cavities. But there is a key. Okay, we should take the, the key from the mouth. Yes, I think we should. KG3030 does not bite you. <laughs> All right. So now we have a key uh, and nothing to unlock. Mm. Perhaps we should uh, check the other room. Which other room? Yeah, because which, there, there was yeah, a there's one. A room, you got that's more right, doors there's now. Rooms, there's rooms out of here. Well, let's... Rooms do you want to fully well, explore this path, or do you want to like do one room at a time off of the main room? I, I mean, you're, you're already in the south room, so why not like check that... Um, I guess, let's what, continue there, to the south. south door? Yeah, yeah let's continue right. to the south. Sure, this south door, it's very much like the one that you came through at the other end. Very normal, undecorated. In fact, for the most part, um, like there is only one exception, really. Most of these doors are pretty ordinary. The only one that is extraordinary is the east door in this room. But, ignoring that one, huh. you go through the south door, and this one opens up into what is apparently a makeshift classroom. There are six identical desks spaced out neatly in a three by two rectangle, three in the top row, three in the bottom. And out the front of those is a whiteboard with a mannequin carved and dressed perfectly like a teacher. There's one other door leading out of this room in the west wall. Is there anything on the whiteboard? Oh, yeah. Uh, there are some, well, they look like school questions written on the whiteboard. You aren't quite sure what age these um, non-existent students are supposed to be. They seem kind of simple and you're going to receive an image of what this whiteboard looks like all right so for people at home you'll be able to see this whiteboard linked in the description below uh but uh peter would you like to take a go at describing the image that we can see okay on, on the whiteboard i am seeing a bunch of phrases written out in sentences that each end with a word that is missing so the first sentence is i am and then it has three underscores and then period now the interesting thing here is the first letter in that missing word is circled and there's other missing letters that are also circled i'm sure that this is going to mean something later on so the second sentence is i go to the blank and it's the three letter word with a circle on the third letter the third sentence is i have one blank and it's a four letter word with the second letter circled the Fourth sentence is, I go to blank with four-letter word, second letter circled. I can blank it, which is a five-letter mm. word, and the second letter of that five-letter word is circled. I don't know that we have enough information to solve this puzzle Well, yet. that first sentence could be, I am God. It could be. It could be, <laughs> I am dog. <laughs> I am mad, M-A-D. Yeah, uh, I have one head, which I do. <laughs> these are tr these are all true facts. Yeah, but I don't. Oh, we I have don't one think we have well. enough information yet to necessarily. Can we look in the, the the desks that are in the room? Is there anything in the desks? They definitely remind you of the desks from your younger years at school. Chairs folded in, and there's sort of that cubby space in the undersides of them. And you can tell already that they are stacked full of papers. No mannequin students at these desks, which you're comfortable with. But yeah, so you can see that there is 
a whole bunch of stuff going on under these desks. Well, we'd like to check out the papers and mm. other whatever else is there. Yeah. Yep. You start rummaging through uh, arbitrarily, maybe the top leftmost desk. And all of the paper is blank, just space filling. But you do find that there is an exercise book under here. And you look under the next desk, and it also has the same exercise book. In fact, all of them have a matching exercise book, also blank, except for the name written on them. The one in the top left, apparently, belongs to Ruby Smith. Okay, and then going to the right? Yep, so top middle, Carter Blackwood. Then Amy Grassley. Then Toby Brown. So that would be in the bottom left? Yep. Okay. Pearl Maguire. And then the final one is Sky Chen. Now, I think the interesting thing here, Brian, is each of these names have one name that sounds like... A color? Yeah. I, I think we've got color. We've got ruby, black, grass, brown, brown pearl, pearl, and sky. Sky. So those all sound, seem like colors to me. So if Ruby went to the first one, and Ruby was red, I am, I don't know. I am red? I mean, I guess I am could... mad. Yeah, but there are only five sentences, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, hmm. So we've got colors, I think, but we don't know how to use them yet. Let's check out the west door just to see what's behind that wall. Behind that. No worries. So this door leads to another room, and this one... It's extremely brightly lit. There seem to be lights coming from the ceiling, the walls, and even the floor. And there is a lot to look at, so you're not surprised that they wanted to show this one off. Uh, inside the room, you see six narrow pedestals, about waist height, arranged three across and two down. And sitting on each pedestal is a small rock. They are real. They're impressively sized chunks of mineral. And also, uh, right in the center is a table upon which sits another rock. But this one, very big, very obviously fake. It's like almost as big as you, and it looks more like it's plastic than a real gemstone of any sort. And again, there is one other door out of this room in the west wall. Well, let's look at the rocks specifically. The small ones? Yes, the small yes. ones. Cool. So they're all very pretty. They're all very different from one another. Some of them are smooth, some pointy, some round, rectangular. But most noticeably, they're all different colors. You got some boring ones. You see a white, a black, and a brown. And then you see some prettier ones, a blue one and a green one. And, oh, oh, okay. There are six pedestals, but apparently there are only five rocks. That's annoying. Interesting. Well, let's go ahead and, and looks like huh. we don't have a red rock. But uh, so the pedestals are arranged the same as the desks, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah, they do seem to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. So let's put the black rock in the top center and the green rock at the top right. Uh, on kind of move the rocks around on these pedestals. Sure. Brown rock, brown rock, bottom left. White rock, bottom middle, and blue rock, bottom right. Cool. That all seems fair. And yeah, so in the top left, you now have a blank one. For the moment, yeah. Cool, and that's all fine. Nothing happens when you do that, but actually when you lift up um, the green one from where you took it from, you notice something. It was covering up a tiny, perfectly round hole on the top of its pedestal. Does it fit a key? No, it's 
very very small and very perfectly round. Well, we need to find a red rock, Peter. What? Let's examine that huge rock, that huge plastic yeah, rock. Yeah, we should do that. So this big fake rock, its surface is glassy. It's sort of transparent. The impression that you're getting from it is a magic eight ball. In fact, if you squint, you think you can see something written on the very inside of it. The problem is your shadows are blocking it out. No matter where you stand, this room is so brightly lit that from any angle, you cast a huge shadow over it and you obscure whatever message is going on inside it. But if you get far enough away that you're so far away that you're not casting the shadow, then you're too far away to actually read the words. Okay. We need to turn off the lights or hmm. some of the lights. Can we throw a rock at the lights? <laughs> they do not break. It would also be hard because part of the issue is that you're casting shadow and that makes it hard to read. So I'm sure if you got rid of the lights, it might it just worse. be even harder to read with no recourse. <laughs> what was the thing? Getting rid of all the lights. Just so <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What, what I wonder, Brian, is we've eliminated one of these colors. So you, you're you saying that we need to find the red rock and return it there. And you're you're thinking Indiana Jones in, in that respect. I'm wondering <laughs> if by eliminating the red person, we're eliminating the, the red person, Ruby Smith, from the previous room, and that that now leaves five names, which well, why don't we, equate why don't we to look at five, five, five uh, sentences on the uh, whiteboard. Sure, we can we can uh, look at that. And I'm not sure that's I, I have that answer because the problem here is the first one's Blackwood Black, and if I am, what would Black be in in a three letter word? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah very quite... true. Some of those sentences just don't really seem to fit either names or colors very well. Yeah, there might... I can brown it. Yeah. I can brown it. <laughs> I think maybe we're going to find – I think you might be right. And I think in another room we're going to find some colors next to uh, pictures or objects that will tell us that, basically. Okay. So, Do we want to try to go out that door in that room? There was a yeah, door let's, to the let's west. Keep, let's continue mm. exploring, I guess. Yeah, sure. Wait, have, have, have we looked in other rooms on the ceiling to see if they had numbers? Oh, we haven't. We should probably do you that. You haven't. See, I, I made a joke about that earlier, but I think that might actually have something to do with stuff. Do you uh, want to look up right now? Yeah. You look at the ceiling of this rock room that you're in, and you see that there is a number six on it. So, so, so the schoolroom. What is the number on top of the schoolroom? It is a number nine. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Those are what a good call, <laughs> Peter. I'm telling you, I'm I'm good at like <laughs> finding things and then letting other people run with it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> no no problem. Um, hey Brian, I've collected some numbers for you. <laughs> yeah, so not not a problem. So okay, so we've got a num we've got a number seven in the first room. What number is in the room with the robot, please? You look up there and you see a number eight. Classroom was nine. And yep. classroom was nine. Rock room was six. Uh, I'm going to guess that we've got five more rooms. <laughs> 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 just, just a guess. <laughs> it, it, I, I'm not looking at this spatially 
Brian, in which you have like the wonder of doing that. Is there any order to these numbers in any way? There is. Right now, uh, it, it actually looks like uh, we've got seven, eight, nine going down, and then to the left of nine, we have six. So it looks it looks like it's going to be a phone dialing pad with one uh, at the top left and nine at the bottom right of a three by three grid. That's what it. That's and who from, knows if there'll be a zero? <laughs> from what I from what I can see, room. that's what it looks like at this point. Okay, interesting. Okay, mm -hmm. Brian, here's the question to you. Yes. We are in right now the room with the pedestals, the one with uh, six on the ceiling. There so if we go to the west and it's west. a three, then that would that would tell us something, I think. C can we go to the door to the west and see if... He's <laughs> been trying for so long. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you open this west door. Now, this one doesn't actually lead straight into another room like all of the rest did. Instead, you find yourself looking into a long, dim hallway. It's completely bare, but down the other end, there is a door. So you walk down, takes a while, but you get there, and you open that door, and what you find is absolute blackness. You cannot see a thing, definitely not a number on the ceiling, and also nothing else, and fumbling with the wall yields no light switch. You won't be able to get anything really done in here without light, and you aren't sure that stomping around in the dark is a great idea because, well, the last room had gems in it. Who knows what this one could have? You turn to leave when suddenly, let's say, who, who opened the door first? Oh, there is no chance it wasn't Brian. I Peter's the on the other end of the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Brian, as you're turning back to tell Peter exactly what nothing you found, pain blossoms up your foot from your big toe. You kicked something, and you hear it clatter away, and it goes towards the hallway, and Peter, you see it. It's a small red rock, and it felt a lot harder than it looks. Ah. Found a so red rock. So I guess we're going to pick up that small red rock and bring it to the pedestal room and put it where it needs to go. Actually, before we go to that room, I know it's a dim hallway, but is there any number on top of the, on the ceiling of the hallway? Not in the hallway. Well, I'm going to limp back to join mm -hmm. Peter in the hallway, and uh, let's put a, the red rock where it belongs at the top left. All right, you stick the ruby where it belongs, and from somewhere back the way you came, off to the west, you hear a click. Oh, well, let's go back there and see if the light's turned on. The lights are indeed now on in that room. Good job. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like that part was like that part was the easy finishing touch of the puzzle, but you solved all the hard parts. Well done. <laughs> all right. This is uh this is interesting. This is sort of a space-themed room. The all over the walls, there's a painted version of the solar system, and sitting in the very center of the room is a telescope. So, very good thing you didn't go fumbling around in there and knock that over. Okay. Is there a number on the ceiling? There is a number on the ceiling, and it is a three. It's a three. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. All right. Because who needs randomness when you can have order? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. So is the telescope pointing at uh, any particular planet of the solar system? No. At the moment, it's just sort of pointed randomly at one of the blank bits of wall. And you sort of look at these planets on the walls and you aren't really sure because they're just painted on. You don't really see anything that the telescope could really add value to. In addition, telescopes, as far as what you know about them, 
it's not like they can be substituted for a microscope or something where they can see more detail right. of really close objects. There has to be some amount of distance, maybe not space far, but some amount of distance for it to work. Well, Brian, why don't we there, there, turn the telescope that... and look down the dim hallway? <laughs> yeah, at that big rock. Oh, interesting. Are you all as excited as I am? Like, I am really excited about this episode. I know, look, I'm, this is the ad break. Hi, it's middle of the show, Bill. Uh, but I just wanted to first say, God, oh, this episode is so good. Oh, I'm really excited. And you will love listening to the rest of it. But before you do, just two seconds to mention that if you are interested in rooms like ours and you want to play more escape rooms across the world, you should check out livevideoescaperooms.com. It's a service that Tom Parslow from Budshot has put together. It is a meeting space for people who design these rooms, but it's also a really great resource for you to go and check out people who are designing live video escape rooms or other virtual versions of their rooms, and you can play a whole bunch of rooms from across the world. So if you want to take some time out of your day to enjoy yourself, do some puzzles and forget about coronavirus, then head over to livevideoescaperooms.com or the Facebook group Live Video Escape Rooms. It's a really great way to connect with the community and find out more about new things going on in this kind of field of virtual escape rooms. All right, you go check that out. Links are below. Let's get back into the show. You go over to the telescope and you point it towards the open door, straight down the long hallway into the rock room and make sure that it's focused right in the center at that big fake rock. And there's no shadow blocking it out now, so you can see a message. It's a funny little code thing going on. There's some letters and arrows. So I'm going to tell you this one. The first bit that you see has an S, just the letter S, with an arrow from it pointing to an M. So S to M. Okay. Then another one underneath that says D to Y. D arrow Y. Okay. Delta to yam yam. What the heck? Oh my god! What's y Yankee. Yankee. <laughs> Delta to Yankee. The third one is A to E. Alpha, Alpha to, to Echo. Uh, echo. Oh yeah, that's good. It's well echo. done. Okay, the fourth one is I to A. Iota, or am I just that's guessing? Because we got now. Greek. Indigo. Maybe. Indigo to Alpha. Yeah. And the final one is O to I. Okay. Well, we're going to need that when we are filling out the whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. I think. That's what I think too, but what does that mean? It means we still don't have the answers for the whiteboard, but when we get them, we're going to use, need to use this, this translation key to write stuff down. So if the answer is I am bad, uh, or, you know, not bad, if, the, if, if I am sad, then instead of writing sad, we would write uh, M-E-D instead. Or M-E-Y, rather, instead. So, uh, I think we're done in this room. Uh, Peter, what do you think? In the telescope room. I think you're right. So, I don't, um, yeah. I, so, I mean, yeah, I guess let's, let's, let's do something really quickly. Let's just examine... Mm -hmm the walls to make sure that there's nothing interesting about the planets or anything like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So there's a large painted model of the solar system. It's got the sun, the moon, eight planets, 
And uh, this isn't news to you because you're from this reality, but to anyone else who's paying attention, uh, the furthest away one is definitely Pluto. Uh, but the planet that's missing seems to be the one closest to the sun. There's a little tiny round hole in the wall where it looks like something's been taken out. Uh, it looks like in this reality, Mercury is the one that got declassified. <laughs> Must have been a totally different rationale. All right, but, but there's yeah, a hole no in the Mercury, wall. No Mercury, just a teeny tiny hole, yeah. Hmm. We, still well, we, need could... to, we haven't found things to put in these holes. We've got lots of holes. We've got a hole... In here, we've got a hole. Uh, actually, do we have holes in every room? Not, yet, not, not at this stage, no, just a couple. No, but we have a hole in this room. We have a hole in the rock room. We have a hole in the robot room. So we have a, holes in rooms three, six, and eight right now that, that we're aware of, I believe. Nice. Okay. But uh, now you've hit a dead end. Yeah, so we're going to head back to room uh to room eight and why don't we head to the east what do you think peter which one is room eight robot, robot. wait there's a, okay is it there was... a room to the east or the west i wrote down east. the but... east oh so yeah. it's, not, it's not going to be a um it's not a... going to take you to room five <laughs> it's not going to be a room uh, a phone dial okay interesting okay what do we well, got over here yeah so you take a look at this east door and this one is very much unlike the others that you've gone through. The others are standard, they're wood, they open with a handle. This one is an enormous, shiny, metallic door that clearly opens electronically. So maybe it is a phone dial and this just was an addition later, uh, a renovation. Uh, and I assume but, we can't open this door? Yeah, there's a keypad attached to it with number buttons that can be pressed, much like a phone thing, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, it doesn't just open on its own all right hmm. but there's still a door that we didn't try to open in that first room correct so yeah that's, that's true we're gonna we're gonna head back there now i think so let's uh let's head to the west to uh door number four yeah. all right so four. you pass through you pass through the room where you were blindfolded and you try to work past the trauma and... <laughs> greg's in there just bye see ya yeah well, is uh, Greg with us? I figured Greg was joining us through all of this. But <laughs> He's been hanging out there, <laughs> taking a nap. Okay. Greg's He's no just help been playing with that puzzle some more. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to get it. I forgot how you solved it, but I'm definitely going to get it. <laughs> you Okay, you go through that west door and you walk through. And this one is, well, it's not as interesting. The entire floor is empty. In fact, there are only a couple of things in here. Two doors leading out of it. One to the west, one to the south. And there's a big mural taking up the entire north wall. Well, let's take a look at the mural. So it's a sweeping landscape painting. Covers the entire wall, entirely in black and white. The left half of it is a thick field of what look like enormous sunflowers. And the right, just a beautiful stretch of grass. Is there any number on the ceiling? You take a look and you see a big number four. As well you hoped you would. Yes. There's no hole or anything like that in the mural that we can see? No, or holes no in the there floors. isn't. Okay. It seems like there is just the picture and two doors. What, what do you think sunflowers have to do with anything, Brian? Well, they're yellow. Um, yeah. Grass is know, green. Grass is green. Sunflowers are on the left. Grass is on the right. I don't know if that, if that has anything to do with anything. Yeah. I mean... 
sun and sky. We've got sky, you know. Yeah. But um, I don't. But we also don't, have Grassley too. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we have enough information to to deal with this yet. To be honest. Why don't we head to the south and see what's there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you go to the south door, and oh, um, okay, that's different. This one is actually locked, and it feels like it's locked from the other side. All right. No room five for you. No, let's go to room one. This one is fine, though. This one opens up. You walk through to the west. Uh, This one only has one other exit to the south, presumably to room two. Inside this room, sitting against the far wall from you, there's a large box. It looks like the sort of box that might sit at the end of somebody's bed. Uh, That's it for the floor. However, the walls have huge scrawling words on them. Someone has gone to town sort of graffitiing it. Like, they're very clear words, but yeah, quite large, taking up a lot of space. What are those words? <laughs> so they seem kind of sad. In fact, one of the words is sad, and they all seem kind of demotivational. Like, you see the word wrong, you see bad, and you see miss, and you see can't. Well, it doesn't have an apostrophe, so I guess can't, but the paint that's used to make these words looks old it's a little bit peeled and actually you take a look at that word miss once more and you see that the dot above the eye it's not actually paint there's a little hole in the wall there so there's only five words yeah and but they're really big but so sad wrong bad miss and can't yep well we've got some five words that we can start playing with uh yeah at some but point. I don't think they, those quite fit into. I mean, I am sad could work, but I go to the. None of those words work for that. No, but what if we do that? What if we do the translation? So if, instead of bad, for example, what if we said it's. So would no. we be only translating the circle letters or no? Well, that's a possibility. I didn't think about that. Maybe. So if if we're only translate, that's a good idea. So it's going to be... Uh, I am mad. I am mad. I like that. I go to the... B-A- I go to the bay. Uh, yeah. I have one... Mess? No. It's either miss or can't, but what does that translate to? Scent. I have one scent. Is what that translates to. So using the A goes to E for... Yeah, that's correct. And then I go to mass, and I can... So the last one's wrong, but... But but it's not because yeah. wrong doesn't fit. Uh, yeah. Cause does it not? It does not. How would you change wrong if based on the letters you found earlier? Well, we wouldn't because there's no R. Ah, because you're changing the circle yes, that's ones. that's Yeah. Uh, that sounds like maybe we shouldn't be just changing the circle ones. The other four fit perfect. I think that may have just been a remarkable coincidence in the puzzle writing. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, because the other thing that's to look to at know. is which of those, uh, you found all those letter translations, S we to did. M. How have you used those so far? Well, we just used them all. Oh, well, we you used... used we didn't use S to M, I guess, but so yes, you did. We did. Yeah, we did in the first one. We did. We used. We've used, so used them. S to M. Yeah. To make sad into mad. Yeah. What are the others? Well, we made. I go. So we went 
um, we turned uh, bad into bay. We yep. so turned miss into mass and can't into scent. Nice. Right? Yep. yep. So you've used the S to the M, you've used the D to the Y, the A to the E, and the I to the A. You've used all those so far. All right. So ring. Uh, I can ring it. That's fine. So, okay. And so <laughs> if we're doing that, then the answer is uh, M, Y, E, A, R. M Y Mir. Hang on, let me write it down. M Y E A R. My ear. Did the robot have anything in his ear? Not the robot. There was something else in this classroom that you didn't give a thorough examination. Oh, the mannequin! And the, there's a mannequin uh, in this room. There was a mannequin teacher. Let's take a look inside the mannequin teacher's ear. <laughs> Yeah, sure. You have to. She's she's got like a strict schoolmistress bob, so you have to push her hair aside. It's unnervingly realistic. But when you look at her right ear, there's a small hole in it. All right. We've got an awful lot of holes, but nothing to put in them. Uh, I think we're doing okay, Peter. You want to head down to room number two? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. All right. So all the way back up to that graffiti room, and you head down. That door opens, and you find yourself in a room that is totally empty, except for four portraits on the walls. And what are those portraits of? You'd like to look at the portraits, or would you like to look at the roof to confirm? Let's look at the roof to confirm that it's a two. It is a two. Okay. Or is it a reflected five? Yes. Well, we ever know. (laughs) You look at it upside down, and it's still a two. All right. (laughs) All right, on to the portraits then. So these portraits, they're all done in the same sweeping, romantic style. Uh, The subject of each one is quite different, though. The first one, you've got a chambermaid in a black and white uniform and black buckled boots dusting a table. In the next one, there's a burglar hunched over and creeping, wearing a dark cloak and tattered flat sandals. You think he's missing an eye in the painting, but then you realise, nope, that's actually just a hole. (laughs) So you pass that. There's a door just uh, on one of the walls, which seems to head into the center, into that room number five. And uh, by passing that, you see the third portrait, which is a king on his throne. He's draped in his regal colors. His legs are crossed, uh, and it emphasizes his pale leather shoes. Very pointy in that 1700s, I think, style. And the final one, it looks like there's a chance it's a partner to that king one. It's a court jester who's wearing full clown gear and juggling three goblets. What's he wearing on his feet? Clown shoes. Is the door locked? Yeah, this one does not budge. But we have a key. You do have a key. Unfortunately, you don't see a keyhole. Oh. Must be something else. The key must go somewhere else. Do any of these portraits come off the wall? Or are they like secret doors of any kind? All right. So you give them a bit of a shuffle and they don't want to come down off the wall, but you find they do slide rather easily from side to side. So you can shift them almost a whole painting's width to the left or the right. But unfortunately, you don't find any amazing secrets behind them. Hmm. All right. Hold on. We're going to we're going to go through it. 
What well, we haven't looked look at, at a large box in the room with the words. So why don't we go ahead and look at what's at, at that box? So this box, it's large. It's too heavy to move around, but it does have a silver lock holding it shut. Well, let's open it with our silver key. Yeah, your silver key matches that silver lock perfectly. The lock comes up, you lift the lid, and from inside, you get the odor of sweat and leather, which delicious, really. (laughs) But it tells you exactly what this is. This is a big box of shoes, all sorts of them. School shoes, stilettos, combat boots, anything. There is something weird about it, though. All of these shoes are singles. Not one of them has a partner. Is there a shoe from a court jester in there? It's very noticeable. You don't even have to search. <laughs> you just see it in there. Well, why don't yeah, we get you... why don't we get uh, the uh, a black buckle boot and uh, a tattered sandal and some pale leather pointy shoes? Oh yeah. Well, you only like I said, you find one of each of those things. That's correct. No partners for any of them. But yes, you find those four shoes. Can we go take those shoes and? put them into the original box in room number seven where it's the indents. Uh, oh, I like that. That's no. so fair, but yeah, it doesn't <laughs> quite work because those ones in number seven, they're definitely smaller than a shoe. Like oh. I said, about the palm of your hand sized and they're roughly circular. Okay. And the shoes just don't seem to go. I just mm. thought it might be fun. I knew we used the number Ooh, four somewhere I else. It. I liked it as an idea. Yeah. There, there's nothing we can do with the shoes and like bring them to the painting. That's not gonna do us any you good. You can, right? but yeah, the paintings don't seem to respond. The king looks a little bit impressed, but that might just be your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can we examine those shoes? Make sure there's nothing inside of any of them or anything like that. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be anything inside them. Like you, the. I don't know, the clown shoe one seems to be your best bet for that, but you give it a shake, and besides the bell on the toe of it giving a jangle, nothing really happens. It's just a very hilarious-looking uh, left shoe. So here's here's what I'm thinking. Uh, I obviously Brian, Brian shoe... I, know, I, I know between the two of us, we have four feet, and now we have four shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> oh, sorry. In this reality, humans have three feet. Oh, oh, there you go. Was that mural painted on the wall, or was it on like a yes. canvas? Hmm. Uh no, it was painted onto the. Yeah, painted onto the wall. So, That's so given that, I don't think the room seven is relevant. I tried putting the shoes in there, and it didn't work. Mm. Um, <laughs> we've got room two and room four, and. The information that we have in room two, in addition to the shoes themselves, which shoes to take, we also have what these people are wearing uh, in terms of colors and and other things. So the chambermaid is wearing a black and white uniform. The burglar is wearing a dark cloak. The king has regal colors. uh, And the court jester is in full clown gear. And finally, what they're doing, she's dusting a table. The burglar is burgling. The king is sitting down with his legs crossed. And the court jester is juggling. Three goblets. Yeah. So that's the information that we have. And then we've got this mural that doesn't look like it is relevant to the portraits. Mm. So everything we need is in the portrait room. (laughs) 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 Um, 
Brian, these portraits sway back and forth like to a degree. Does that have anything to do with anything, or do you think that's just like no? I think it. I think it matters. So we can move them. We can slide them. Yes. Like basically to the left and the right. So my guess is that we're going to need to slide some to the left and some to the right uh, in some combination, and that is going to unlock the door. So somehow. I hate to do this, Brian, but um, there's only four. You want to just do all the combinations? Well, it's only <laughs> what sixteen combinations. Like I, I, I think I did two times I, two. You I could, feel like that's but cheating. would you feel good about? I it? feel like that's cheating. <laughs> Sometimes I'm in an escape room and I just like try to brute force my way. Aha! Uh-huh, <laughs> yes, but in those escape rooms, they don't have the power to just say no. You don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> we have the power so you might have to solve a puzzle <laughs> black and white black so okay two of them are uh in dark colors and two of them are in bright colors so the king and the jester are in regal colors and full clown gear and the chambermaid is in black and white and the burglar is wearing a dark cloak um so why don't we do this. Why don't we just move the burglar and the chambermaid, uh, those pictures to the left, and the other two pictures to the right, and see if anything happens. Yeah, nothing happens. And you get the feeling that when you have the solution to this, you will know when you've got the right answer. Wait, so Brian, you said that half of them are have a light color, or like a colorful color, and one of the, and two of them have dark colors. So I did. What, what, what was the reasoning for? Moving the dark ones to what side? I didn't have a reason. I just was... Based on uh, medieval morality plays, the devil was often shown on the left of stage (laughs) and and heaven was on the right of stage. So Um, that's not it. (laughs) But we do have some shoes. We certainly have Mm. shoes. Uh, Well, okay. So if we take the shoes, I mean, they don't... uh, Do we put them... Oh, I I figured it out, Brian. I got it. Okay, good. There's when you have a pair of shoes, there's two different types. There's a left and there's a right. Ah, yes, but you don't have pairs of shoes. That's we only have individuals, which probably tells us which way to slide. I think you are correct, Peter. (laughs) I think that is the epiphany that Danny was waiting for. Yay! (laughs) All right. Once you have that, you have no doubt. It was in our hands the entire time. That's right. (laughs) You're sitting there holding a left shoe, going, tapping your head with it, being like, now how do we figure out left? Left. What do we know that's left? (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's let's move the portraits according to the shoes that we have. Cool. The black buckled boot is a left one, so you shift that maid over to the left. The burglar had a right sandal, seems to be what you have, so you shift that one over to the right. The king's shoe was also a right, and the clown's was a left, so you shift them all in that way. You hear a click come from the door that seems to lead to room five. Let's go into right. room five and find little things that we can put in holes. Woohoo! All right. So you walk into this room. You believe, if you've been keeping track, that you are now in the center. And this room is a bit of an unusual one. Okay. So there are three tables in a straight line getting further away from you. So they're west to east. And built into each table, 
there is an enormous glowing light. There's one door in the north wall, which very nicely has a doormat in front of it, and you believe that leads back up to that mural room. And if you look at the ceiling, you see a number five. What is anything interesting about the doormat? Uh, you aren't sure why this one gets one and none of the others do. It seems clean. It seems normal. Is there anything underneath it? Of course, you lift up the doormat and there's no object underneath it, but there is a small hole. Oh, of course. Let's examine those lights on the tables or built into the tables. So these three lights, they're fixed into the tables. They're quite large. Their lights are incredibly powerful. You can't look straight into them for too long. And each one is glaring out a different color. So the westmost one, it's a deep red. The middle one, canary yellow, and the east one, bright sea blue. And the colors bounce off the walls, mingling and mixing. Very bright, very strong. All right, so now we've got a mural. <laughs> <laughs> let's open the door uh, and let's see how, what uh, those lights do to the mural. So this door, it was locked from this way, but the locking mechanism seems simple enough. Uh, so you try to pull it open and it does, but it doesn't open the way you expected. It actually rotates kind of like a revolving door with two segments or a hidden passageway behind a bookshelf that you see in Scooby-Doo cartoons. So the whole thing sort of spins towards you, leaving you with two half doorways uh -huh. when it's fully open. Mm. And you do see it leads out to the room with the mural. And with that door split open the way it is, the colored lights from the glowing room beam right in, splash over the mural. The yellow from the middle, it goes on both sides. So on the left, the red and yellow go on. So the entire left is deep orange. And on the entire right, you get a beautiful grassy green. So we have a mural with half of it being orange, half of it being bright green. Correct. Mm. Okay. So that's all we've got. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, what if we I rearrange see, I see, the tables? I see. Yeah. Can we rearrange the tables? Let's... The tables are fixed in place. Are the lights also fixed in place? Yes, they are fixed to the table. But we can maybe close the door a bit more from one side or another. So instead of it being 50-50, maybe we get more on one side than the other. I don't know. It's not going to make sense. Well, what do, you, what do you want to do with these lights? What would your yeah. ideal thing be? If you could manipulate them in any way, what would you well, want to I do? Well, would, I would like... I, oh, I, I know what we can do. Let's... Uh, can we cover the red light with something so that uh, it is not um, it is not there? It is not shining. All right. Well, what do you have in mind to cover it with? I don't know. Let's. Uh, what do we have? What do we have? We can grab a box from the other room. Oh, how about a robe? Uh, the judge's yeah. robes. <laughs> you stole his wig, and now you're gonna steal his robe. Yeah. Uh, this. Is very upsetting. Poor KG3030. Yeah. But it has to be done. You go back out there, you disrobe him, he gets demoted, and <laughs> you take that robe back to this glowing table room, you drape it over the red, and suddenly all of that deep orange is gone. Instead, on the mural, it's just green and yellow. It looks perfect. The sunflowers look exactly the way they're supposed to. The green perfectly suits the grass. However, right in the center, where the two colors transition, and maybe the shadow of the door is doing something here as well, there's a single thin section of paint that suddenly doesn't quite match. 
In fact, the beams of light, the way they're interacting with it, they're going through the paint to the wall and they seem to be revealing a hidden little something in there. You're going to have to be a bit destructive to this mural to find it, but you believe that what you are seeing is the outline of a secret compartment. Oh. Ooh. Well, let's, let's be uh, destructive. Yeah, let's That's be destructive. That's so sad. This is, yeah, this is the nicest thing that you've found in here, this mural, but yet yeah. you dig your fingernails in there. It's really hard. You, there's no way you would have ever been able to feel this without having seen it. But you get your fingernails wedged into the narrow gap and you pry that thing open. Bits of paint come flecking off with it. And inside this little hidden compartment, you find a tiny hole and wrapped up beside it, a pair of headphones. Well, so let's unwrap the, the, headphone. the headphones go into the tiny holes. Oh, maybe. It looks like it would be about the size of a headphone jack. So you've plugged it into the uh, we, compartment in the mural. We've, we've plugged it into room four. To Spain, to an artist whose copying and forgery skills knew no bounds. He, and only he, could bring the full translation to light. And, well, he was rather uncooperative. Uninspired, apparently. Honestly, even if I wasn't getting anything out of it, I would have intervened in this case. It was a public good. My helpers rekindled his enthusiasm for his craft, and he completed his vital job. Thanks to him, the translated document survives to this day. It wasn't hard to get my hands on it either. People really didn't appreciate his work. I simply bought it. Let's just say it was an enthralling read. The writer was staggeringly before his time. Now, all I needed... And the recording cuts off. All right, I think we're looking at episode numbers one to nine here. Um, let's, uh, do we have a hole in, uh, we do. Can we listen to the recording in, in room one, please? Things started, in theory at least. The machinery involved is very expensive, and my upbringing had been somewhat lacking. All right, let's not mince words, it was horrible. I grew up in poverty, misery, a world giving me nothing and telling me I would always be nothing. Resources? I had none. So the final step was a little more personal. The engineer on the Hindenburg? My grandfather Linus. A modest man at the time, and had he died that day, a modest memory he'd be. But after surviving it, he grew into a pioneer of wartime aviation. He made millions, millions, which he naturally passed on to his only child and grandchild. After that, everything was... And the recording cuts out. Okay, so it's not episode numbers, but that's okay. Do you care what room we go to, Peter? I don't, because I don't have any idea what this is telling us. So, so what this is telling us is, this is Dr. Bill's story, how he changed the past to become yeah. the dictator that he is today, I think. But it's and missing so this, pieces. No, I think it's just like going from room to room, basically. Maybe we'll have to put it together at some point. But uh, let's listen to room two, please. If it wasn't, the implications were fascinating to say the least. That would mean the meteorite has actual power, divined by the gods' power, so it seemed. If only one could tap into it. Fortunately, the man tasked with its destruction was a man of science, of curiosity, and he made records of everything he learned. He left many documents, but few were found. In particular, he had one printed on wood, which detailed what he knew about activating its power. The written word was criminally undervalued throughout much of history, 
In fact, in ancient Rome, painting over old work to make way for new was common. If a family was in need of a funeral portrait, and the best imported wood they owned just happened to have some old Chinese writing on it, what were they to do? How could they possibly know that what they painted over was... And the recording ends. All right. And let's listen to room three. You go all the way around, back through the side, <laughs> down the long hallway. I don't know. I'm just going three. in order. I, is there a better <laughs> order that I should do this <laughs> no, in? No, no. I just, I just find it fun. It's dark. <laughs> was the rock itself the fragment that remained from millennia ago? It had to be removed from the tomb, of course, but where did it go after that? You'd think something so incredibly valuable would be easy to track through history, but far from it. The grave robber who extracted it proved very elusive. Did you find that too while you were trying to stop me? Impossible to see what he did with the thing. But when I finally spotted it in the annals of history, where was it? In the camera footage of a dead Antarctic explorer. Honestly, that was you, I assume, hiding the thing in Antarctica? Fine. I saved the photographer, I got the rock, he kept it as a souvenir after his research paper on it garnered little interest, and buying it from his grandson was no great challenge. But there was one problem. The blasted thing didn't... And it cuts off. All right, so the next room, what have we done so far? We've done one, two, four, three, and one, four. two, three. So you go into the middle room, which yep. was number five, yep. and hear the following. Work. Whatever power it held, natural or divine, was not revealing itself willingly. The documents had mentioned this. Only the special energies of space allowed it to flourish, they hypothesized. Even weeks after its landing on Earth, it was beginning to fade. What hope did I have millennia later? It was in those key words, the energies of space. In the old reality, these hadn't been harnessed. The technology to replicate the correct astronomical energy wouldn't be available for decades. All due to the tragic radiation poisoning of one promising scientist who had never completed her research. So, she had to live. I made her live. And now, I had access to everything I needed to get this... And it stops. All right. Uh, next, so there, I guess, room six. Welcome, welcome. Now, at the time of my recording this, I don't know precisely who is listening. I do know you're someone who, like me, has explored the fantastic science of time travel. It's a messy one, isn't it? All you want to do is alter one tiny aspect of the past to make your life a little bit better, and someone else goes and changes it back! Well, no matter. I've come up with a way to get all the changes done that I want before you can meddle. You wouldn't think number of people would matter with time travel, would you? But when it was just me, you managed to find me every time. I must have left a trace of some sort. My students, on the other hand... Anyway, the beginning. It all started with a meteor strike. Thousands of years ago in ancient China, during the reign of Emperor Qin Shi Huang, he came across the fallen meteorite and found words written on it. Words that spelled out his death. Being a superstitious man, rather than assuming it a mean-spirited prank, the emperor took it as a message from the heavens. He was afraid and ordered the rock destroyed. And so it was. Almost. A small piece remained, buried in the inner sanctum of his tomb when he was finally interred. Lost to civilization, a relic known, but never found. But what if the omen read from it wasn't a joke? All right. So that's number one, by the way. So we're just going to mark room six as one right, right off the top. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The welcome, welcome really gives it away. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's do seven. 
Uh, seven is the original room you were in. Um, nope, have you nope. found a hole there? No, you don't no have hole. a hole in seven. No hole in seven. Let's do eight. A guide to a powerful mystical artifact? One that absolutely, at all costs, could not be lost. Especially not in some freak accident like the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. It had to be solved. Carried, sold, smuggled. It didn't matter. And so the now painting was taken from Pompeii by its young owner. She was forced to part with it soon after. Trading for food after the destruction of her home left her with nothing else. Rome was a powerful place with many trading partners. The painting found its way to Ireland. There it remained for many centuries, many generations, until one day, its new owner packed up all her belongings, whisked herself away in the night, and began a new life in Scotland. Of course, as luck would have it, this was the time of witch trials. Her new life wouldn't last long, and after her execution, all her belongings would be burnt as a precaution. Well, I... Okay. Let's do room nine. Room nine, the room with the classroom. <clears throat> Couldn't have that, could I? Poor girl, she had no idea. So, I made some adjustments, righted a great historical wrong. You can't be mad at me for that. She escaped with her life and fled to a distant family on the mainland in the Netherlands. Which, of course, went to war with England soon after and suffered looting all their treasures. By this point, the Roman painter fainted considerably, the Chinese writing being revealed underneath. It was stored with other valuable pillage documents and sent to scholars for translating, right into the heart of London during the Great Fire. Laughable luck, isn't it? I thought so. That is, until I considered that you might be orchestrating its demise on purpose to frustrate me. No matter. It escaped the fire and was translated. But the original by now was in a state of great disrepair, and the translation a mess because of that. In a desperate attempt to preserve the full text, it was sent... Okay. I think that's all of them, yes? Uh, that's I think you've listened yes. to the eight, the, yes. the eight holes that you have, yeah. So let's put it together into, uh, into a coherent thing. So I think, can you say the last line of the rock room yeah. and the first line of the mural room? So the rock room finishes with, A relic known but never found. But what if the omen read from it wasn't a joke? And then mural room starts with, to Spain, nope, to an artist nope, who was... Nope, that nope. doesn't All seem right. right. So let's do uh, the mm. scrawling words room. Things started, in theory at least. Nope, that doesn't sound right either. Mm. So the next one, portrait room. Yeah, yeah, last line of rock room. Mm -hmm. But what if the omen read from it wasn't a joke? The first line of portrait room. If it wasn't, the implications were fascinating, to yeah. say the least. All right, so we're going to go with that. Uh, and the last line yeah. of that. How could they possibly have known that what they painted over was... So let's look at the mural room now, because paintings. Or, yeah, painting. Hmm. Now, if I, I'll give you the last line of the portrait room right into the mural room. Let's see if this feels good. How could they possibly know that what they painted over was to Spain? No, to an artist that does not copy feel... That no. does not feel... <laughs> yeah. no. So how about, how about room five? Not then, at all. With the lights. With the lights, let's try that. How could they possibly have known that what they painted over was work? Whatever power it held, natural or divine, no. was not revealing itself. No. That doesn't feel quite right. <laughs> it was work. <laughs> uh, but there's a painted version of the solar system uh, down in room three, so let's do that. How could they have known that what they painted over 
was was the rock itself. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> they are talking about a piece of wood with oh. some Chinese writing over it. Mm. So I don't know if they were painting over a rock. I think they could have figured that one out. <laughs> mm. All right, let's do eight. How could they possibly have known that what they painted over was a guide to a powerful mystical All artifact? Right, fine, fine. It is eight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so then eight, eight, I think eight goes into nine, if I'm not mistaken, but let's try it. I think it did. Yeah. And after her execution, all her belongings would be burnt as a precaution. Well, I couldn't have that, could I? Poor girl, she had no idea, so yes. All right, yeah. and the end of that one is? In the desperate attempt to preserve the full text, it was sent... To Spain. Uh, to which, Spain! That's yeah. which yeah. Is, We which finally is got to Spain. Which is number four, yeah. I think? The mural room? Yeah. Number four. To an artist whose copying and forgery skills knew no bounds. And then la 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 la. Let's just say it was an enthralling read. The writer was staggeringly before his time. Now all I needed... Okay. Alright, let's do number five. Uh, number five is the glowing room. Now all I needed... Work! No. Now all I needed was... Uh, number one... Oh no, we're meteor right now. Sorry, number three. Sorry, number three. Now all I needed was the rock itself. The fragment that remained from millennia ago. That feels good to me. That's, yes. That feels good to me. Next. But, End of that. But there was one problem. The blasted thing didn't... Work! Number five. Yeah. Work! The glowing room. Whatever power it held was not revealing itself willingly. And this ends with... So she had to live. I made her live. And now I had access to everything I needed to get this... Number one. The last room. The box Thing room. started. In theory, at least. The machinery involved is very expensive, and my upbringing had been somewhat lacking, etc., etc., etc. However, this last recording you've got ends with, and after that, everything was... So that's all of the things that we've listened to. That's mm. everything you've listened to, but it doesn't seem finished. Where have you not found a hole? We didn't find a mm. hole in, the, in room seven. Well, four mm. indents in a box. Yeah, so that must mean that you do have access to whatever goes in there. Because, again, the indents that you found here, they're circular and about the size of your palm. That's all you know about. And there's four of them. In fact, not much deeper, like about the same depth as your palm as well. Don't put your palm. If you in. could stick your palm there just with no fingers, <laughs> it might work. And what do you have? What do you have to work with that you the still handcuffs? haven't been able to use? The well, handcuffs. What, what, do, what do handcuffs look like? Well, they look like circles. So we've got, yeah, let's, put that, let's put the handcuffs in there. Okay. You yeah. fit your, the f handcuffs, the two that were around your wrist and the two that were connecting them to the pole, and you slot them in there, and you hear a little scraping noise as a small section of the back of the box opens up and reveals a teeny tiny hole. All right, let's listen to number seven. So coming off from what we had on the last one, and after that, everything was done. Reality shifted around me. I had bypassed your attempts to thwart me by throwing person after person at the problem. You got faster towards the end. Were you trying the same strategy? It doesn't matter now, obviously, because I won! I found the stone, I activated it, and now, now I can see it all. I don't need a computer for information. I don't need a lab to discover the future. And now that I've found you, I don't need to worry about a single thing. I'm through the east door. Come and find me if you can. We still have one last thing to discuss. Because I'm evil, Doc Bill. 
So, he's through the east door, but the east door is locked and needs a code. Can we use like the numbers of the rooms that we put together to put that the audio together? Yeah, let's try that. Let's try uh let's try the code six two eight nine four three five one seven. Beep, boop, 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 boop. The button on the keypad turns green and the door slowly slides open. Yes. A narrow corridor greets you, glowing with clinical blue light. Greg follows you down, apprehension written on his face. This might be a stupid question, but do you get the feeling from those audio clips that this whole thing was set up for my benefit? Because that's, that's a lot. That seems like something a crazy person would do. <laughs> Doc Bill seems completely sane. Through another door, and then on either side of you are towering glass cabinets of scientific instruments. You recognise very few of them. You keep walking, turn a corner, and there at the dead end is a high back swivel chair facing a window that looks out <laughs> over the city. <laughs> you must be upstairs, far upstairs, to secure a view like that. The chair's occupant spins it around, and you're seeing for the first time the man whose image has been on every television, every billboard, every propaganda poster for the majority of your life. Governor Bill, formerly Doc Bill the physicist. He clasps his hands together and leans back with smooth confidence. Did you enjoy your experience? Your questions get answered? I like to think of this place as an interactive museum, enshrining my success. And I don't show it to many people at all, so you should feel honoured. Now the real shining moment. Do you want to see it? His voice is full of very real excitement. He is enjoying this. Greg, on the other hand, shoves his hands deep into his pockets. But he nods begrudgingly all the same. Governor Bill beams and reaches behind his back, pulling out a small glass jar. And inside it is a smooth obsidian-like gem that's emanating a pale yellow light. So this is the piece of meteorite, says Greg, irradiated, and that makes it predict the future, predict the Chinese emperor's death. How is that possible? Not a clue. Space magic. And it didn't stop with the emperor's death. Come in. Come in close. Take a look. You do so. Your nose is practically pressed against the glass as you stare at this gem. And behind the yellow glow, behind the shiny surface, there are colours swirling in there. Sort of like a magic eight ball. And when you unfocus your eyes, like you're studying one of those magic eye images, you start to see a picture is actually formed there. It looks like a building. In fact, you're quite sure it's the facade of Greg's hidden lab. With that picture, it was easy to track you down. No more playing with time for you, Gregory. But yes, I've seen some very useful things in this over the years. All it needs is a little dose of special radiation, and bam, my future is a little bit better. Greg mumbles something. You catch the word unethical. And Bill hears it too. Ah, the ethics of using time travel for one's own benefit. That's what it's all about for you, isn't it? I won't deny I've enriched myself, and quite handsomely, but am I the only one? I saved lives meddling with time. Yulia at Pompeii, Rebecca at the Curie Lab, I spared someone from execution at the witch trials, and I'm the villain here? Don't turn this around on me, snaps Greg. You saved a few here and there, but you've ruined the temporal balance, and how many of you let die under your fascist regime? 
Oh, please. And what do you plan on doing with us? That gives Bill pause. Well, you make an interesting point. My people are confiscating the equipment from your lab as we speak. Can't have you tinkering around anymore, but who's to say you wouldn't just build another lab and start ruining things all over again? I assume you won't be agreeable. No, says Greg bluntly. I'm going to fix the timeline. Ah, that's a shame, because as long as that's true, I'm afraid I'm going to have to keep you here. I know, I know. Oh, you can't do that. Well, the funny part is, I can. A high-powered politician can get away with some truly outlandish things. Oh, the stories I could tell you. And I will, considering we're going to be spending quite a lot of time together. Eh, time? <laughs> you give Greg a look, telepathically asking him what you're going to do, because, I mean... Obviously, there's no way that you're going to spend the rest of your life sitting around this museum of Governor Bill's magical success. Greg looks remarkably calm, still seething a bit under the surface, but he doesn't look like he's panicking. He doesn't look uncomfortable. Well, I guess you've got me, he says. There's nothing I can do to stop you now trapped in here. I mean, all I can do is sit back and hope that somebody on the outside figures out what you're up to. That they go back and reset time before your special gem can change its picture and catch them. But of course, that would require access to a time machine. And I'm the only one who can build those. And you've taken mine away. Right. But, Governor, as a former struggling scientist yourself, I'm sure you know that no experiment is ever done without repeats. Bill stiffens. You... you built another one? Well, that's fine, I'll track it down. And none of your university friends know anything about what I've done anyway. No? Greg removes his hands from his pockets. <gasps> and in one of them, a sleek mobile phone is on, with a voice recording clearly in progress on the screen. I knew I should have banned mobile phones! Yeah, Bill's jaw drops, and he, a cry of outrage tears itself from his lips. They didn't take your phone?! He lunges forward, but with a deft movement, Greg stops the recording and hits the send button. And several miles away, someone else's phone chimes. who is listening. I do know you're someone who, like me, has explored the fantastic science of time travel. It's a messy one, isn't it? All you want to do is alter one tiny aspect of the past to make your life a little bit better, and someone else goes and changes it back! Well, no matter. I've come up with a way to get all the changes done that I want before you can meddle. You wouldn't think number of people would matter with time travel, would you? But when it was just me, you managed to find me every time. I must have left a trace of some sort. My students, on the other hand... Anyway, the beginning. It all started with a meteor strike. Thousands of years ago in ancient China, during the reign of Emperor Qin Shi Huang. He came across the fallen meteorite and found words written on it. Words that spelled out his death. Being a superstitious man, rather than assuming it a mean-spirited prank, the emperor took it as a message from the heavens. He was afraid and ordered the rock destroyed. And so it was. Almost. A small piece remained, buried in the inner sanctum of his tomb when he was finally interred. Lost to civilization. A relic known 
but never found. But what if the omen read from it wasn't a joke? If it wasn't, the implications were fascinating to say the least. That would mean the meteorite has actual power, divined by the gods' power, so it seemed. If only one could tap into it. Fortunately, the man tasked with its destruction was a man of science, of curiosity, and he made records of everything he learned. He left many documents, but few were found. In particular, he had one printed on wood, which detailed what he knew about activating its power. The written word was criminally undervalued throughout much of history. In fact, in ancient Rome, painting over old work to make way for new was common. If a family was in need of a funeral portrait, and the best imported wood they owned just happened to have some old Chinese writing on it, what were they to do? How could they possibly know that what they painted over was a guide to a powerful mystical artifact? One that absolutely, at all costs, could not be lost. Especially not in some freak accident like the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. It had to be solved. Carried, sold, smuggled, it didn't matter. And so the now painting was taken from Pompeii by its young owner. She was forced to part with it soon after, trading for food after the destruction of her home left her with nothing else. Rome was a powerful place with many trading partners. The painting found its way to Ireland. There it remained for many centuries, many generations, until one day its new owner packed up all her belongings, whisked herself away in the night, and began a new life in Scotland. Of course, as luck would have it, this was the time of witch trials. Her new life wouldn't last long, and after her execution, all her belongings would be burnt as a precaution. Well, I couldn't have that, could I? Poor girl, she had no idea. So, I made some adjustments, righted a great historical wrong. You can't be mad at me for that. She escaped with her life, and fled to a distant family on the mainland, in the Netherlands. Which, of course, went to war with England soon after, and suffered looting of all their treasures. By this point, the Roman paint had fainted considerably, the Chinese writing being revealed underneath. It was stored with other valuable pillage documents and sent to scholars for translating, right into the heart of London during the Great Fire. Laughable luck, isn't it? I thought so. That is, until I considered that you might be orchestrating its demise on purpose to frustrate me. No matter. It escaped the fire and was translated, but the original by now was in a state of great disrepair, and the translation a mess because of that. In a desperate attempt to preserve the full text, it was sent to Spain, to an artist whose copying and forgery skills knew no bounds. He, and only he, could bring the full translation to light. And, well, he was rather uncooperative. Uninspired, apparently. Honestly, even if I wasn't getting anything out of it, I would have intervened in this case. It was a public good. My helpers rekindled his enthusiasm for his craft, and he completed his vital job. Thanks to him, the translated document survives to this day. It wasn't hard to get my hands on it either. People really didn't appreciate his work. I simply bought it. Let's just say it was an enthralling read. The writer was staggeringly before his time. Now, all I needed was the rock itself. The fragment that remained from millennia ago. It had to be removed from the tomb, of course, but where did it go after that? You'd think something so incredibly valuable would be easy to track through history. But far from it. The grave robber who extracted it proved very elusive. Did you find that too while you were trying to stop me? Impossible to see what he did with the thing. But when I finally spotted it in the annals of history, where was it? In the camera footage of a dead Antarctic explorer. Honestly, that was you, I assume, hiding the thing in Antarctica? Fine. 
I saved the photographer, I got the rock, he kept it as a souvenir after his research paper on it garnered little interest, and buying it from his grandson was no great challenge. But there was one problem. The blasted thing didn't work. Whatever power it held, natural or divine, was not revealing itself willingly. The documents had mentioned this. Only the special energies of space allowed it to flourish, they hypothesized. Even weeks after its landing on Earth, it was beginning to fade. What hope did I have millennia later? It was in those key words, the energies of space. In the old reality, these hadn't been harnessed. The technology to replicate the correct astronomical energy wouldn't be available for decades. All due to the tragic radiation poisoning of one promising scientist who had never completed her research. So, she had to live. I made her live. And now, I had access to everything I needed to get this thing started. In theory, at least. The machinery involved is very expensive, and my upbringing had been somewhat lacking. Alright, let's not mince words, it was horrible. I grew up in poverty, misery, a world giving me nothing and telling me I would always be nothing. Resources? I had none. So the final step was a little more personal. The engineer on the Hindenburg? My grandfather Linus. A modest man at the time, and had he died that day, a modest memory he'd be. But, after surviving it, he grew into a pioneer of wartime aviation. He made millions, millions, which he naturally passed on to his only child and grandchild. After that, everything was done. Reality shifted around me. I had bypassed your attempts to thwart me by throwing person after person at the problem. You got faster towards the end. Were you trying the same strategy? It doesn't matter now, obviously, because I won! I found the stone, I activated it, and now, now I can see it all. I don't need a computer for information, I don't need a lab to discover the future. And now that I've found you, I don't need to worry about a single thing. I'm through the east door. Come and find me if you can. We still have one last thing to discuss.